Welcome back, everyone. All of you here in the States, as well as our beloved listeners all across this totally not flat globe, to the Smooth Thrills Radio Hour. I am once again your host, Jason Rutledge. So I hope you all are enjoying the show so far and you're getting something out of it. I have heard from some of you that there's been some trouble finding all of the movies that we've talked about on streaming. So at the time that Series 1 and 2 were being planned and recorded, all of the movies were streaming somewhere, at least in the U.S., as far as I know. But you know, these services being what they are, sometimes stuff is there one day and gone the next. Maybe it'll all turn up again, I don't know. So just keep a lookout for when it happens. As of right now, though, the debut of this episode, this movie is still available to stream, and it's Remo Williams' The Adventure Begins. We're going to talk about the origins of this movie, uh, how it worked out, and maybe why the adventure began and then kind of sadly ended at the same time. Nathan and Joe are back for this one, and not a moment too soon. I think Remo has something to say to both of them. Good. I'm glad you're both here because we're going to straighten something out. Now, I just spent the morning being chased around the Statue of Liberty by a bunch of goons. Ow! Yeah, but we, we'll be, like, responding to your comments, and it won't make any sense that way. It'd be very odd. <laughs> Joe was eaten alive by cats halfway through the episode, and we're, he, wa- he would have wanted us to carry on, though, so we're going to do it anyway. No matter what, then, and whatever answer you give, after you answer it, answer anything I say, then just repeat the question. Ah, very good. Yeah, Blue potatoes? Like well, I guess yeah. that is what color I'd make potatoes, Joe. Yeah. Then nobody's lost. That's true. That's true. And where the fuck did I get blue potatoes? What is wrong? Well, that's what well, we're going to delve into the episode and we'll find out. Hopefully. Wasn't blue potatoes oh, this... the working title for uh, Return of the Jedi? <laughs> no, blue harvest. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, I mean, it depends. Where's the harvest? Is it in Idaho? Uh, mm. I don't know either. Anyway, welcome back, everybody. Smooth Thrills Radio Hour Series 2. And today we're talking about a type of a superhero movie that became pretty big through the early 80s. I mean, you had Superman came out in, was 77 or 78? 78, yeah. Everybody wanted to make superhero movies, but they didn't have the money, typically. So you ended up with stuff like Puma Man or Puma Man, depending on who you ask. And this movie, Remo Williams, The Adventure Begins. It's quite a jump. This is like a seven-year gap there. But still, you, there, you had is stuff like Is it a superhero like movie? Mm. You could say that. I mean, it's sort of based on that say anything. kind of a Doc Savage, Buckaroo Banzai no, totally different. sort of a thing where you have low-key kind of superpowers. land stuff, right? That's, that's kind of, that, that, yeah. I feel like those two are more fantasy. Mm. I think they're where associated like, by name, maybe, because mm. it's, Silly think it's the beginning of a franchise. They thought so. Mm. Yeah. They were wrong. Both, yeah, both, they did. Both <laughs> they they yeah. spent an hour and a half on training the motherfucker. Yeah, the adventure doesn't really begin until easily an hour and 15 minutes into this hour and 40 minute long movie, for sure. Two hours and one no. minute, according Thank to you, IMDb. Joe. Yes, yes, is it, it is. I just, just watched it again. Yeah, I must it's, have, have fallen asleep somewhere. It is. My, yeah, it didn't I watched feel it like last that. Night. that long. Did either of you read any of the Destroyer novels that this thing is based on? I haven't. You said you saw some of them. Oh, at Half Price Books, ironically, just the other day, they had like 12 of them in their uh, vintage section. There's 153 Destroyer novels. 
since I mean, the early 70s. Like, so it's not like getting caught up on Naruto sort of bad, but yeah, there's like 153 of these things. There's 181 Doc Savage novels. That I can believe though. That's been around yeah. far longer. Yeah. And since thirties. Yeah. Doc Savage yeah. is like from the late thirties, right? Yeah. Early forties. They had a lot to draw on for this for sure. How many of them were in publication by the time they made this? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know. But instead, they they made a they they made a, a white guy play a Chinese guy or Korean or Korean. Korean. You're right. I'm sorry. Wow. Now well, I'm the speaking racist. Of that though, Joel Gray didn't <laughs> want to do the movie until he saw the makeup because right. he wasn't convinced they could make him look like an old Korean man. This did lead to this movie's one and only Oscar nomination, which was for makeup. Uh, Califolitan. Yeah, uh, really? they lost to Mask. But yes, Remo Williams was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Makeup. There was makeup and mask? A, a smidge. Ouch. It's hard to miss. I thought Cher looked f- You may normal. want to go back and watch uh, I think it was again. Sam Elliott. I'm not, I'm not uh, certain. They added yeah. extra mustache. That's right. Mustache they had like rides. mustache extensions. Yeah, yeah. extra mustache. what they did. They, they took Remo Williams' mustache and gave it to him. Okay. Let me lead into this because we get his origin story, like we said, for the first like three quarters of this movie. And he is killed by this secret organization which ends up being so secret, not even the people involved in it know anything about it. And the way they disguise him is to shave off his mustache. He also has a nose job. Because he looks in the... Yeah, he had a I nose job, really too. Tell, well, he, it it's like very noticeable in the underwater scene when he's in the car. You can see the discoloration yeah. in the makeup, yeah. Oh. He looked, he looked really pale underwater, and uh, his, his nose did look like... It looked like a block it's of cheese. It's way funnier, though, if all they did was shave off his mustache, and suddenly he's a totally different person. Yeah. <laughs> Well, generally, that's like the, if you're ever going to have an actor have plastic surgery within the like the, his character, at least. Yeah. You're always going to go for the nose job, it seems. Mm. That's like the cop out. And it's never that convincing. He still looks the same. He looks the same. Yeah. Yeah. How great would it have been, though, if like or would it have been a, a good idea if they had had like, say, a black actor <laughs> playing him pre and then afterwards, they're like, oh, you made me white. Oh, so that's like God you know, Cambridge. Nobody yeah, will know. Like watermelon had, Man. What if he uh, had two heads and they removed one of the heads? Wow. And one of them could be like that's a Rosie Greer. Yeah. One of them could be Ray Milland and they could get on a motorcycle. Okay. Now you guys are just being me. They could take the head in the jar. I thought I had something. Make the head in the jar part of the team, too. Only he has to stay back at the base because he's, you know, he's in a jar. How about that? That's true. I like this. Is someone but writing all this down? Because this is absolute gold right here. Um, no, but we are documenting it in some <laughs> form. It's going to be the next Destroyer novel, actually. Let's go to this mustache ride clip. Let's go to this exciting clip of Remo Williams being birthed into the world, given a new name off the back of a bedpan, and losing his mustache. What the hell have you done to me? We did some work on you. Just your face. Thank you, nurse. You'd better have had a damn good reason. We did. You were ugly. Who's we? You've been recruited by an organization that doesn't exist. Sam Macon is dead, pal. Some nasty man shoved him and his police cruiser into the East River. Yeah, well, I'm a pretty healthy corpse. The operative word is corpse. You've got a new face, new fingerprints, even a new name. Williams. Remo Williams. A lot of thought went into it. We needed someone, and you were the best we could find. Decorated Copex Marine, no family, no commitments. 
You know, if I'm the best you can find, you're in pretty deep shit, pal. Who the hell are you anyway? FBI, CIA, Salvation Army? Who we are are the people who got you by the balls, Remo. Besides, we need you. Our cops are corrupt, our judges bought, our politicians up for sale. Everywhere you look, slime is on the loose. You're going to be the 11th commandment. Thou shalt not get away with it. Yeah, they took care of the slime problem in Ghostbusters 2, actually. So Remo wasn't necessary. Well, that was a few years later. Oh, it was like 89, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. That's sad. What's interesting about this... I think there was another slime problem after they got mm-hmm. him by the balls. That's true. Anyway, you were going to say what's interesting about this is... Is they changed the backstory. They gave him this name, Remo Williams, in right. the movie. That was, a, that was an invention of the script. Uh-huh. The original novels, he was always Remo Williams. In fact, he gets framed. He's a cop. He gets framed and he's going to be sent to the electric chair and they bail him out and then they recruit him for the special organization. So I don't know why they went to the trouble of saying, oh, he's a different person now. We've changed his name. Mm. So they always see I mean, the bedpan joke. I mean, it's, yeah. it's cute, but it's very. Well, even though the movie wasn't out yet, hiding out, it's very Maxwell Hauser yeah. beating it by two years. But anyhow, yeah, I just, I don't know why they went to that, to that length to create that when he didn't have to. I don't to. know. That is weird that they, they, in the books, they, they did that. And then, yeah, I mean, it's not even that much more of a, like a film transition, like a book to film transition. Like the other, the original origin would have yeah. done just fine. And it would have been more. It could have been even exactly. more exciting. And he, uh, yeah, he's a victim here, but he would have been more of a victim if they went well, for is, the it original. Is, yeah, it is strange they made that choice because, you know, with something like well, quite a few of the Bond movies and Doc Savage, when it was made into Doc Savage, Man of Bronze, the movie in 74, at that point, yeah. the original material was so dated that it had to be changed because it wouldn't have made any sense. Right. Unless they made it a period piece. But in this case, the Destroyer novels were only 15 years old at this point. 14, 15? Less than that, as far as the first one being published. So, yeah, around like maybe 12 or 13, possibly. It's maybe for the sake of economy of budget, they couldn't afford an electric chair. Yeah, I just don't understand. Well, you you just have to imply that. You don't have to, you just have to know that he's on death row. Mm -hmm. Um, But it would also be more of a buy-in for the audience, I thought. You know, you would care more about this character, what happens to him. Here, we're just kind of thrown into it, and you're like, oh, okay, he's out getting these crazy potential perpetrators and it turns out that they turn the tables on them and you're like, oh, okay. True. And they do spend so little time on that setup and then all the time in the world exactly. on every other part yes, of It's setup. not balanced. I got something that was actually in my notes too. Uh, there is no music in that scene. In the opening sequence? In the, in the opening sequence, whenever he is uh, fighting the, uh-huh. the criminals and then getting pushed into the water. I think that there was some whenever he got pushed into the water and he's underwater, but the fight scene, it was just all. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like there was music in this thing is kind of sad, somewhat uninspired and cheese fest. Well, they do play the hero theme, but in weird spots, you get the cheesy synth music in some places. Other than that, it didn't seem to really, it didn't really work for me. Well, I think it's a. Tell me where I'm wrong, Nathan. Okay. Go on. Well, I love <laughs> Craig Saffin as a composer, and up to this point, well, the movie he did right before this was The Last Starfighter. Before that, he did 
Fade to Black, one of my favorites. Oh. He later did Nightmare on Elm Street 4, The Dream Master, one of the best scores in that franchise. But it's, I think it's a pretty damn great score, but it's almost too good for the movie. Like the, the hero theme is very, it's very, like you're pumped for it. Yeah. Like when that main title theme and they play it throughout, the Remo Williams theme, during like the whole escapade around the Statue of Liberty scaffolding, you're, you're just like, it's played twice in the Statue of Liberty thing. Once when he's standing perfectly still doing nothing. And once right, when he swings on Right, it feels imbalanced. It, it feels, feels like you're, but yet he scored it to the film, mm. but it feels like he, it's almost too much for that film. This is something Nathan and I were talking about before we started recording, Joe, and see if you agree with, with me in particular on this. Uh, you have a lot of action movie pedigree going into this movie. Guy Hamilton directed this. Mm-hmm. He directed four Bond movies and Force 10 from Navarone. Guy knows what he's doing. It was written by another Bond writer who we were to think was responsible for Spy Who Loved Me. Christopher Ward. Yeah. Uh, Fred Ward, well-established actor at this point from Escape from Alcatraz, Time Rider, Silkwood, the right, right stuff. stuff. And a Sissy Spacek movie, which has my one of my all-time favorite movie titles, Ginger in the Morning. Oh, wow. That's going way back. <laughs> it is. <laughs> But it's like all of these action guys forgot how to make an action movie. They got three quarters of the way there, and then it just doesn't. Well, you forgot one of the elements too. Get there, am or, or did I miss something? I and mean, there's there's the William Hickey. Oh yeah. Element. Okay. That it, it okay. This is where you put in a soundbite of a car crashing. <laughs> I lost it. <laughs> <laughs> You're talking about one of my favorite 80s bands of all time, the William Hickey Element. Please go ahead. Yes. <laughs> mm, mm, mm. Terrible save. Terrible, Terrible save. Uh, no, I, I had written down a note about him, but then I was going to try and segue into that with you. They're at uh, Coney Island. Talking about right. your elements. But yeah, yeah. Like that was, I, I had written down, this is the youngest I've ever seen William Hickey. He, no, he did. Is he in King of Marfan Gardens? Ooh. I don't know. It's weird to see him younger, but yeah, yeah, he, he did work a long, long ways prior to this, but yeah, it is, it is odd to see him like Pritzi's honor mm. era onward. We remember mm. him, you know, speaking of ages, by the way, uh, Fred Ward refers to Wilford Brimley as pops and dad a few times early on in this movie, making fun of his age. They only have about an eight year gap between the two of them. Yeah. Um, by the time he made this movie, Fred Ward was 43, born in 1942. Brimley was born in 34. It's barely an eight-year age difference. I mean, it's not as bad as, like, say, North was it North by Northwest when Cary Grant and the woman playing his mother was actually younger than oh, Cary yeah, Grant yeah. was when they made the movie. Or Glenn Close and Mel Gibson on Hamlet. Yeah. 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 But also, Brimley always looked older. And one is dead now. He's always, Brimley's always looked older than everybody else he's in a movie with. Whoa, he passed away recently mm-hmm. what, 83? Mm-hmm. How old was he? Yeah. I think so. Or 85. At any rate. But he was always one, like back then, when you watch, maybe not even, not in John Carpenter's The Thing, because he didn't have the facial hair, but in just about everything he did during that time, especially the Cocoon films, you feel like he's got to be in his 60s. I've mentioned this before, and it still blows me away, that at the time, he was making, I think it was Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. Brimley? Tom Tom Cruise. (laughs) was the same age that Wilford Brimley was when he shot Cocoon. Wow. Which is bizarre to me. But the other thing, too, is Brimley always well, did it, his own stunts. I'm about the same age right now than Wilford Brimley. Yeah. He, he left off a of a, like a, 
a building and broke his foot on. Oh, no, that's Tom Cruise. Never. Go ahead. <laughs> and that was on cocktail. No, Brimley was just no, hanging that, that on to the Jackie. airplane. That was also was Jackie Chan and Rumble in the Bronx. Yes. Also, speaking of action stars who are getting older at this time, Roger Moore was 57, turned 57 when they were shooting A View to a Kill, also in 1985. Yeah. I say that because... But there's a lot of stunt doubling in that particular Bond film. I say that because there's a, there were the inevitable comparisons when Remo came out to all the Bond movies, and it's not particularly fair. I don't think there's much of a comparison there. Well, no, but the, the, the producers felt it that MGM. it was... It was Guy Hamilton. It wasn't at, well, it, well, which one? No, it was Remo. Orion. Pictures, yeah. yeah. MGM owns it now because they own the ah. Orion back catalog. But no, they. MGM the, owns something? Well, yeah. If you look at the majority of the MGM film library, it isn't MGM related. I, I figured that they MGM. They have Canon, they have some Samuel Goldwyn, uh, some Avco Embassy in there. Isn't isn't MGM just being run out of somebody's spare bedroom at this point in their easy, life? Easy, easy, Tiger. But the the producers, I do love seeing the Orion. Yeah, logo yeah. It really takes you back, doesn't it? Which is so. cool, especially with Bill and Ted <laughs> face the music coming up. Mm. That was always an Orion property, uh. so that's pretty cool to see that come back. Um, but no, the actual physical producers of the film, the ones that developed the screenplay and all that, uh. they wanted it or they saw it as a working man's james bond right whether it uh, whether or not it is it no uh, executioner type thing yes but bond maybe not to that point i found the uh, variety review of remo williams that came out with the movie and i quote remo williams is a poor man's james bond mm. with a dash or two or three of other popular genres thrown in for good measure the film seems to never know where it's going and when the smoke is cleared doesn't seem to have got there either. That's maybe a little bit harsh, but... A little harsh, but at the same time, it's somewhat accurate. It is. I, I'm talking earlier about how no one can figure out for years who the villain in this movie was. Yeah, it's a bunch I mean, of guys, it, but... Was it obvious to you, Joe, who the villain was in this movie right away, or did you have to... No. Um, <laughs> and what were they doing? Not at all. I don't know, man. Like manufacturing poor guns. This is where this is where it might fall apart here. Um, I, I, I'll be honest. I think I missed the last probably fifteen minutes. I fell. It didn't asleep. clear anything up. So as far I, as I, I can tell, the villain's evil plan was to become a government contractor and then scam the government out of billions of dollars, which is hardly original and is actually actively encouraged, as far as I can tell. It's it's not much of an evil plan. Mm-hmm. Really, right, particularly now. Yeah. This is just common. Well, it was also in the decade of total excess. So that didn't mm. seem very odd either then. No, I suppose that's true. But yeah, you have some great character actors in there. You got Michael Pataki. You've got yeah. early Patrick Kilpatrick as the henchman with the diamond. That tooth. was a nice yeah. touch. I did like that. Um, I like that. What do you call him? Like Tiffany mouth? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, Who's your dentist? Tiffany's? Because I Remo alone sounds now. exactly like Rodney Dangerfield in this movie. Oh, <laughs> are you kidding? That was probably the most en- enjoyable part of this whole movie was the was the training stuff, the interaction between Remo Williams and Chung. Yeah. Also about yeah Joel Gray's performance. Mm. Um, yeah, it's a little weird. You get the white guy playing it, but you said it earlier about his hesitancy in doing yeah. it. Um, they did. They tried a casting call with other like actual Asian, whether they're Korean or not, Asian actors to play the role, and they just didn't feel it. Um, 
the main producer, he basically went and sought out other avenues. And one of the, one of the things he thought about was he was a fan of cabaret. Yeah. And he wanted, he thought, well, what if we got a dancer to do this role, which actually gives a lot of credibility to it. I remember even at the time I felt like, why isn't there an Asian actor playing this, especially hot on the heels of the karate kid the year before. Mm -hmm. That's the same kind of mentorship that you think of immediately. At least I did as a kid, big trouble in little China, just a little bit later, the year after. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, But Joel gray was hesitant about doing it. And once he found out that they were going to him after they have already tried to get other actors involved, we've literally called everyone else. You're our last hope sort of. And it was like you said, it was hinged on, the makeup. Yeah. Like if I can, if I can pull this off, if you can convince me that I can pull it off, then I'll do it. And he really does give a pretty they gave amazing some great lines. Look, move like a baboon with club feet. Yeah. Move like a, I, move I like love a that. pregnant yak. The character yeah, is great. Is. Your reflexes are pitiful. The seasons move faster. <laughs> <laughs> the, the character is great. I, I didn't, I didn't particularly care for him that much well, though. Like his voice. Um, it sounded like a white guy do, and this is before I even like looked him up on IMDb. I didn't know who he was. I just was like, I had my suspicions. Like whenever they did a close up, you could yeah, really yeah, tell the eyelids in and particular. I, I, yes, very much. That that was my giveaway. There it was like, Ugh. and whenever he talked, I was just like, he sounds like somebody impersonating, yeah, uh, an Asian, an Asian accent, or even like. Uh, a stereotyped Asian accent. It was very strange. Well, yeah, it's it's like, not. I, I don't even know if it's an accent necessarily, but it's very stilted mm-hmm. in his in his mm-hmm. sentence structure. It's not lived in. Yeah, that's a good point. It's not something that he's he's done for years. Is it part was, Yoda too? Are maybe. we thinking that maybe we do have an example of this, which it would be when our three leads, Remo, Chion, and Lieutenant Fleming or Sergeant Fleming, Kate Mulgrew, yeah, finally come together in the last twenty minutes of this movie. You are deaf. I have been stomping around here for ten minutes while you talk nonsense with this woman. Pleasure to meet you, too. Even worse, you and the woman gorge yourself on sweets. Excuse me, but I do have a name. Women should stay home and make babies. Preferably man-child. I see you both went to the same charm school. Oh, he always talks like that. He's Korean. Oh, I see. And that explains why he lives in a forest. No, actually, he's here for a special purpose. To kill me. Not so. I am here to see that you do not bring shame to the house of Shinanju. And if I do, then you kill me. That I would do reluctantly because you have been a good pupil for a white man. Oh, I see. So that makes everything okay, doesn't it? You are very skinny. Okay, so <laughs> Koreans live in the forest. I heard queso. I wish somebody would tell me I Is was really right? skinny. Uh, what else? Women should make man-child North babies. Koreans live in the forest. There's a lot to unpack in that scene. Also, Kate Mulgrew, why is she introduced like halfway into the movie? And that's another thing mm. that you're like, I can't really buy into this plot that well because... Because she wasn't training. Well, there's that too. It'd be nice if it was like a partnership. Well, then no. you can't really figure out what she's even the movie for. Well, that's for when the, that's time. when the, the plot kind of kicks in. But like as you said, it's imbalanced because we have the training, 
which also as as fun as that is, there's a very there's very much a suspension of disbelief involved in, in buying right. into it because of all the stuff that Chun does. As far we don't as, even get an eighties training montage. That's true. It's it seems like, yeah. It's it seems like they what they should have done is just use the same the regular formula and made this an origin hmm. movie. Yeah. And where they spend that last, you know, quarter of the movie or whatever where he does get his you know quote unquote revenge that way the rest of the movie where he's training and all that stuff it get all the backstory the origin stuff it makes more sense why it's like that. or yeah. actually uses the training that he's been training on because he doesn't really do that very <laughs> much too. well he does like walk on water almost in one scene cement uh, yeah. cement. Find, anybody yeah. else find it weird that he, and then the, he runs across the cement, the guy follows him, and everybody just watches him drown in cement. <laughs> what, what are you going to do? <laughs> that was awesome. His coat disappears, and you just get a couple and of And then bubbles. that reaction shot from the guy. <laughs> and, and you get a reaction shot. Like, oh, wow. <laughs> Third one this week. <laughs> Why did we make such a deep concrete pit? <laughs> Finally, it came in handy. <laughs> These will never there, be There stars. was a lot about that whole sequence that kind of bugged me, and I couldn't figure out why for the longest time. Because we have our... Oh, the longest time. Our villains decide Whoa. to go after oh, this guy who they have no idea who he is. All they have is a picture. Chun takes Remo to the Statue of Liberty scaffolding to stand there and, and do deliver something. Climb down. And then the bad guys show up. And the bad guy pays construction workers a sum total of thirty dollars to go up yeah, there. Yeah, they're they're a little too invested. I'm in sorry. That how did they? Skirmish. If a guy comes up to me with a diamond so, tooth, yeah, I'm gonna get more than thirty dollars. <laughs> That's an it's, excellent And it's point. all in ones. Yeah. <laughs> you can go to the club after this. Yes. Just got back from baby. Well, that's just it. He's, you're the working man. We know where you're going after work today. So here but you still, go. how did they know Remo was there? Is the part I've never been able to figure out. Uh, is he's tailing him, isn't he? Because once How? They, they he has that interaction yeah, they, with him, yeah, where so they tailed him back to Chion's place. Well, no, like Remo was not on their radar until he has that interaction yeah. with Patrick Kilpatrick when he's sitting in the car, mm-hmm. and now he becomes on their radar. So we may not see it, but we know that they're on to him now. They don't know who the hell this guy is. Um, they even talk about it. the villains when they sit on their couch and they're like, who the fuck's this guy is messing with our shit? And, you know, well, the lead villain is cleaning one of his many guns and says, you didn't play hardball like we did in Tennessee. Yeah. In Chi town. That means it's okay. like you could take the villains out of this movie and put them in raw deal. They're like the same type of villains. Yeah, effectively. Yeah. Anyway. That they take their $30 and this is something else that bugged me about this. Why are all the villains in this kind of movie always giggling? Like everything they're doing they're is very enthused about it. Yeah. Well, that's and they're slightly they jump high. around yes. with carrying wrenches going <laughs> well, all <yeah>. time. <laughs> that's that's an intimidation tactic, Jason. Have you never no. done that? Well, here, here's the other thing. <laughs> you walk up to somebody. If you start giggling at them, they're going to be if more I'm intimidated. Mis- if you got a wrench well, in your giggling. giggles, it works. But it or doctor giggles or doctor giggles. <laughs> no, if you're just if you're Johnny Jackass walking around with a wrench and you see somebody you want to mess with, you can start giggling at them before you know it. You're holding their That's wallet. True. And they should know if they see Johnny Jackass coming down the street, yeah. especially with like kind of a 
Well, in today's day and age, you can't really see the giggle. Like you're going to see him coming and think, oh, it's Johnny Jackass, but maybe this time it'll be different. Maybe. But you're also, you bring a good point because there's three of them. They're all in the same mindset. They're all. (laughs) They've all done a bunch of nitros. Pillsbury Doughboys about this. And it doesn't make any sense. Like one of them's like, I don't know, guys, do we really got to rough this guy up? You know, he's not as, as enthused about it as the other two. No, they're all into it. It's very. And the whole sequence goes on for like, it seems like 20 yeah. minutes. It takes eternities. Yeah. And I get it that that was, they filmed some of it on the Statue of Liberty and they had to recreate the set in Mexico. Mexico yeah. And that's their big, they're, they're happy about it. They're this is proud supposed of this, to be the big action set piece yeah, of the entire it's the thing. poster art, you know. Yeah. It wasn't the dogs. No. No. That chase him around. The dogs should have been. The dogs were like the star of the yeah, movie that, for that me. Yeah, that sequence is pretty dogs great. Dogs were great. Dog, yeah. The dog sequence and when he oh, uses yeah. the diamond tooth to cut through the glass yes. to get them out of the gas trap is fantastic. Yes, it is. Uh, I didn't see that. Oh, it's great. You have to see it. Yeah. <laughs> Does he just yeah. press his face up against the yep. glass yep. and rotate? Yeah. And then he steps back and bolts through the glass. How great would it have been if he pulled out like something that is about the size of a pen and he just stuck it in his tooth and stuck Maybe. it there and that's what he and then he or cut it out. Like it's like a like and a then protractor he just put it right back in his tooth. Or if they, they just kind of yeah, no carry a gun around like he wanted to do in the first place. You know, okay, right. Whatever. But the point is, he is a weapon. Okay. That's, I shot him in his diamond. So you've got this secret organization, right? The Made C-Org. up of exactly two people. Well, it's, they're called what? Cure? But Cares or no, Cures. I think it's Cure. I don't know. But there's no, there's no Robert Smith they references they whatsoever. It, they mentioned the yeah. name of the organization exactly one time. They're giggling all the time. They're not gloomy. So <laughs> is Remo the first guy they recruited or is he replacing somebody? Well, there's two other guys, so they had to recruit each oh, other first. Because these two guys have been they in say this organization for 50 years or something, and they're just now getting around. That's to what I'm wondering. Yeah, maybe guy? it's like us. Yeah, we got the connection though, guys. We got a if they're called connection. Cure, and then Chunk lives in a forest. Did you say Chunk? Chunk <laughs> lives in a forest. <laughs> Rocky Road ice cream. He takes requests, <laughs> and that's. That's a cure song. Okay. Oh, my oh, God. Oh, 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 okay. I see okay. where you're going. I see where you're going. All right. Keep going. Keep, 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 keep going. going. Keep, keep going. Oh, yeah. No, it's That's fine. It. I'll just sit here and make Goonies references. If you insist. Oh, I was That's waiting it. for the Goonies reference. But okay. Well, here. Okay. This goes back to that whole cement pit thing. Should recut the movie where he's getting trained by oh, Chunk. Oh, that, yeah. that might be interesting. So he just truffle shuffles enemies. Although Chunk didn't teach the truffle he could shuffle. Like, it could be like a. So you got, oh, you no, got, got giggling it. jackasses coming at him and he just pulls he start, his belly out. He and starts, starts shaking like the last dragon and does the belly. Oh, shake thing yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that would work. No, but here's so Have let's say like let's you say the they last, did. You're the last chunk song starts going and you, just shake you are the last chunk song. <laughs> I would have been. Perfect. Oh, wait, that's not. I am the last one. <laughs> so like what if like what you're saying what if they're replacing that third member with this Remo Williams character, right? Uh-huh. What if Chun had already, re- he had tried to teach another guy prior to this, mm. but he submerged in the cement pit. And they're like, fuck, now we got to get another one. Not only is the cement never drying, but there's now five <laughs> bodies in it somewhere. <laughs> well, it's compost. We should and put, then in the background, put, like, actually, you can see. Around this so people quit walking into our cement yeah. pit. <laughs> but it's so fun to stand here well, and watch it happen. 
had to rewind it twice just to make sure that I that I wasn't just seeing it. But in the background, you can see a, a small Ross Perot looking elderly man like rubbing his hands oh. together and kind of laughing. So I think there there might be some kind of okay. agenda okay. there. I must have missed that. I didn't see that. Yeah. A little they may have been too subtle with that. You're gonna use that car crash sound clip a lot, this one. Yeah. That's the opening theme. <laughs> I I've been off sugar for a week, oh, man. <laughs> Remo Williams didn't do as well at the box office as they would have hoped, I guess. I don't know what the budget was. It ended up making about fourteen and a half million dollars. Uh it was up against Commando, Rambo First Blood Two, and probably Crush Groove may have had something to do with it. I don't know. Yeah, I saw the uh, box office slate that week, and I think Commando opened that same week. Yeah, Rambo had been in circulation for like twenty weeks up to that point, and um, still kicked it out. Oh yeah, well, no, actually, it was a little bit lower. I think it, I think Remo opened in third place. Um, but then it, the breakdown of screens versus oh yeah, what's interesting is Cannon's. Invasion USA, I think, was maybe a little bit lower on the list, but right. that it had more screens or second most amount of screens than Commando. Wow. So that kind of goes to why you know Canon is going to like <laughs> fail at some point because they kept spending money on right. long into their distribution. Well, this should serve as a warning to filmmakers everywhere. Unless you are supremely confident, do not call your movie The Adventure Begins or Part 1. Unless you're Mel Brooks and you're doing it ironically. Or Bill Cosby. Oh, yeah. Leonard Part 6. Yeah. yeah. But there was a continuation. There was a continuation. There actually, I think it was eight, it wasn't that much later. A couple of years later, I think. I think it was a Canadian television company tried to do a pilot for a new Remill Williams series. Mm-hmm. That they changed up Chion. I think Roddy McDowell was in. Yes. Upgrade. I watched it actually. Where did you see this? It is it is on YouTube. Because I've only seen it aired on NB or ABC. I'm sorry, it aired I believe just one time, barely. Uh, Reagan decided to give a speech that night, and instead of pushing the programming back, they preempted it. So Reagan finished his speech, and then they just showed the last 15 minutes of this Remo Williams pilot. Well, this is a broadcast that somebody recorded. And it's on YouTube. Wow. Am I popped about, up on Encore or something it's after that? 46. But it has the outro over the end credits where you hear about them plugging other ABC shows. Oh, wow. At that time. So it was 88. Mm-hmm. Roddy McDowell did play Chun, which you think, oh, God. They're, but I mean, it makes sense. He's a good fit for what they developed with the film. Okay. Um, and then the lead who played Rima Williams was Jeffrey Meek, who did one of my, he did a lot of television. But um, one of my favorite shows that nobody seems to love, but a handful of people, was Mortal Kombat Conquest, and he played Raiden on there. Um, but he did have a martial arts background, mm. so that's actually pretty interesting as far as I could see how this show could have been an episodic. Within that era, definitely. You had shows like Hunter and yeah. MacGyver. It, it would have fit into that groove a lot. It also, they could have taken a different route and had a bunch of direct-to-video sequels like Universal Soldier did. Yeah. And been okay there. Well, those are actually on the movie channel. Are you talking about the two and three that Van Damme's not associated with? I never saw all of them, so I don't know. Well, there's like, there's a Universal Soldier 2 and a 3, and they they showed on the movie channel first. Uh 
and yep. nobody associated with the original films were involved. And then Van Damme was like, I'm making the return. And then he came back and Michael Jai White's in that who has a bit part in the first one. Mm. Okay. Sidebar anyway. Okay. But yeah, so, um, uh, I think the thing that's interesting is Craig Saffin actually did the score for the pilot as well. And that theme really works well as a TV episodic theme. Yeah, it really does. And if you watch, you're like, okay, that's that, that would have been, I can see ma- myself turn, tuning into this weekly, but mm-hmm. it didn't catch. No, it didn't. Uh, like I said, fucking Reagan. It feels like with this movie, they had, a, they got about three quarters of the way to where they wanted to go and either ran out of time, money or something and couldn't push it any further. Yeah. I did. don't know. It's interesting how they would air just, and they, it wasn't long enough to be a TV movie so they could just call it a movie of the week, but. Mm. just an hour episodic thing i guess i don't know why they showed it actually i don't know why they didn't just shelve it but they just decided to fill airtime i guess they knew they weren't going to option it for a series you know yeah that wouldn't make any sense if they already knew that this was toast my contractual obligations or something maybe that might have been it yeah the production company yeah but it was also it was orion and it was dick clark productions who did the movie so yeah no i don't know hmm anyhow joe where did you find most fault with remo williams i mean it's it's okay it just it's one of those you just kind of watch and put it in the back of your mind maybe and not think about after that or just it doesn't stick had you seen it before joe uh no this was my first time i knew nothing about it going in i knew that i had some friends that uh hold it in very high regard they absolutely love it. Like uh, one of my friends, he, it's just, it's up there with Jaws wow. for him. Uh, wow. But <laughs> okay. It was, I think I would really enjoy. In fact, I'm going to watch the, uh, the pilot on YouTube. Cause I think I would enjoy a condensed version. Yeah. There was uh, two it's, hours. Yeah, it's was, too long. It's way like there's so much there's something exciting and fun that happens. And then there's five minutes of boring bullshit, nothing. And then there's something exciting that happens. And then five minutes of boring bullshit, nothing. And it just repeats that whole thing. And it I I had a hard time really uh, just being interested in it. Better as a tight night. So much so. I mean, I friggin fell asleep. Yeah. I don't like to fall asleep in movies. I don't like to quit movies. I wanted to quit it. I wanted to stop watching it. <laughs> well, uh, the TV pilot is not great, but it doesn't regurgitate the same storyline. Mm-hmm. It kind of continue it. Um, but would you feel that this would have been better as episodic television? Like if this movie were the pilot, I think the idea yeah. of it. Yes. That's if the, if the movie was the pilot and they got to cut out all that extra bullshit or you could have had it, yeah. you know, week to week and you weren't feeling so know. inundated by too much of it. Yeah. I don't know. Episodic TV then was you. Well, that, I feel like that's the stuff that they would have put the commercials. You were in. doing 22 <laughs> yeah. episode seasons. That's a lot of room for a lot of crap to sneak in there. Yeah. But there's also a lot of, yeah, a lot of yeah. filler. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. do your very special episode of Remo Williams or you could easily cut Remo like Williams 30 Hall minutes out of that movie. Yeah, and it would still have. Yeah, there's there was no reason for it because it wasn't like they were trying to push, you know, an hour yeah. and a half. Yeah, you know they they added that stuff in so they'd be like, we got a two hour and one minute yeah. movie. Well, 
look out Marvel in the future. Well, and that actually, I think, is there another way they're trying to trying to be Bond? Yeah. Is they always they were at that two hour mm. mark at least back then. Usually, yeah, a little over two hours. Yeah, but longer. Bond is exciting exactly. as hell. But they were just trying that, you know. Like it's, I think the longest uh, Bond movie is almost two and a half hours or two or more than that. Is it Casino Royale? No. Could be. Yeah, Casino Royale is like near three beats, hours. I think. Uh, Honor Majesty's Secret Service by th- like a, a couple minutes. Yeah. Uh, Actually, I don't know. Spectre might be longer. But the shortest, it's been a while since the shortest was, I think, Quantum of Solace, and it was under two hours. Yeah. But on average, you're right. They were two ten, two fifteen, somewhere in there. At that point. Yeah. yeah. And the other thing too is if if the adventure begins, don't you want to make a sequel? Don't you want to like save some of that for the sequel? Maybe. Don't know. Or at least tease something for the sequel. But it's like they put way too much into the first film, but mm-hmm. then it still kind of it still feels imbalanced. Maybe as a result do of we, that. Do we know if there were any pl- actual plans for a sequel? Because I, I remember when they were still filming Buckaroo Banzai, and the writer said, "I got ideas for seven more movies." Yeah. So they actually Richard, may have had something yeah. there. They just never got to do it. Can I say I didn't finish Buckaroo Banzai either? Whoa! You might yeah. have a sleep disorder. No, I didn't fall asleep. I just got uh, really bored and I didn't like it. That's well, a much more fun movie than this. Too. So yeah, but you had you have to be invested in it. Like mm. if you're not digging the tone of Buckaroo Banzai, it doesn't I, change tones halfway out. through. No, yeah, <laughs> like you have to invest very early on into that to mm-hmm. give a shit. You're I not, love it, but yeah, it's it's an acquired taste for sure. Yeah, if you're not into the style, if you're not into that method, I figure I'd like. I mean, go. I don't know what it was. It just didn't. It, I didn't feel like it was entertaining. I felt like uh, there was something better I could be doing with that time. So I made some potato pot pie. Blue potato pot pie? Mm. No. <laughs> Hadn't harvested yet. Oh, no. But the other thing with Remo and with Buckaroo is it's like these are movies I kind of grew up on, too. So there's that fondness. Um, the if I love Buckaroo Banzai, you have another movie with a guy's name in it. That yeah. might be the same thing. It might be fun. You know. But you probably saw it like I did on cable. Yeah, on HBO the, and Cinemax ran the shit out Remo of it. Remo was an October release. I don't know. If a fall release for this kind of movie? I mean, it takes place during winter, but still. This, you yeah. want to put this thing out like May, June, somewhere in there. Get that, You would think you try to get monies. the summer. I was crowd. trashy. I didn't have cable whenever I was a kid. Well, I think initially I rented, I rented this on VHS mm. and I didn't have HBO until later, but mm. my grandparents did. So I think I watched it there too, just because it was familiar. You know, you switch through the channels and you're like, it's HBO. I don't, yeah. I don't give a shit what it is. I'll watch it. You know, that is amazing to think about how long it took HBO to really get going. Cause they, they started in 1972, I think. And well, I don't know. Like 75 was the first, uh, comedy special yeah, they weren't Robert even Klein, wasn't it? until 86 87 I think somewhere in there well they didn't have full 24-hour programming right. for a good while either that's true until like the they early were, 80s right they had to fill a lot of time with stuff like Remo Williams and the Beastmaster obviously hardware yeah that's where I first saw actually I saw it on Cinemax but yeah they mm, showed it too thing, yeah, yeah. They showed a lot of Australian movies also because that's all they could get their hands on for the longest time. So I saw a massive amount of Australian Another movies. Another Billy Joel drop. Did you hear that? Huh? Anyway, go ahead. What? <laughs> Weekend and Bernie's 2 played a lot. Oh, yeah. Too. Yeah, a lot. <laughs> Pretty much anything that was on HBO was on there 
a lot. Like just one of the guys. Yeah. Every other day. But I watched it all the time. The, I remember Jodie Foster, Freaky Friday. Yeah, the, was the ending has a payoff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you're not kidding. Short Circuit every other day. <laughs> yeah. And Short Circuit 2 every other day later on. Uh, the Get Smart movie, The Nude Bomb. Oh, wow. Constantly. Wow. I love, yo, I love that movie. Just based <laughs> off of the Universal Studios stuff with Jaws and all that. And then the ending when he's pushing that. <laughs> it's the most unheroic act ever. Anyway, tangent. Won't get uh, into another it. set of movies that probably they were hoping would happen that didn't happen were the Get Smart movies probably. Wasn't that weird that that's called The Nude Bomb and then years later, The Naked Gun? You ever thought about that? No. I wonder if that was intentional, if they were trying to cop I really like, don't police think squad so. copying on Get Smart. I mean, think about it. Okay, oh, man. I don't know. The blank weapon, right? Okay. Not the perfect weapon, not Jeff Speakman now. Okay. Although there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Final thoughts on Remo Williams? I mean, I can take it or leave it. I think it's it's interesting for what it is as an attempt to get something going and a kind of a case study and maybe how not to go about that exactly. It could have been. It's kind of hard to watch because you can see how with just a little bit more effort, it could have been something. Or I think there's a lot of effort involved. It's just channeled. I like the show in some ways. (laughs) I think, I, I think it's a good movie to put on in the background. Yeah. Like if you're not something that you're completely watching all the way through, or, Maybe you're going in and out of the room because, you know, you got those gaps, but <laughs> it's a good movie to put. If you don't like watching movies, this one's for you. Quentin Crisp. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a good analogy. Go check it out. I didn't. I, what are you saying, Joe? Oh, oh you were saying go check it out. And I was just going to say or don't. Check yeah. it out. I was going to say check it out of the library because that's probably where you're going to find it. <laughs> <laughs> actually uh it was streaming on amazon for nice. me and so if they're you got that amazon prime there you go and if you're if you are a fan of the film and you don't own it and it's out of print now now that and that company is now out of print sadly twilight time mm. um it is a superb blu-ray release whether you like the film or not it's got a lot of in-depth interviews didn't you tell me it was like five hours or something of extras or five yeah it's close or- to that like every, yeah, every interview is... Well, they they had an hour and a half of those extras in the movie itself. That's cute. That's cute. <laughs> the trailer is three minutes. That's a long trailer. Holy crap, it is, yeah. Yeah. It's the only trailer in history with Phil. <laughs> yeah, I went to the bathroom and came back and the trailer, <laughs> the trailer was still, still on. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, still going. I didn't feel like I, I got, missed anything. I got some more popcorn in the lobby. And uh, yeah, still going. I, w- I went over to the across the hall and watched an entirely different movie. Came back, trailer still on. Yeah. The weird thing about it is when is this adventure going to begin? If you ever look at the publicity materials for this movie. <laughs> and if you look at the, the movie tie in for this, it's called Remo. The adventure begins. Okay. The trailer says Remo Williams, mm-hmm. but some of the posters just say Remo. The adventure begins, which doesn't sound very catchy. The title is Remo Williams on in the, in the credits. Okay. But would you, no. Like how people wouldn't know what the hell that meant. Remo. I would have thought it was an acronym for something. Yeah. But yeah. it's weird. Like you're going to get a Fred Ward robot. Ooh. There you go. Yeah. Cause that was the same year as Daryl. Was it? 
<laughs> yeah. I want to see Ash Williams. The adventure oh, begins. Okay. There you go. That'd be money in the bank. So, <laughs> but I was just thinking like, uh, I don't know. It's just very odd. And like the, the, the movie tie in, it's not written by the original writers of the destroyer novels. But if you look at it, it's called Remo. The adventure begins. And it says at the beginning on the top, it says the destroyer novel. Like they have to tell you what the hell it is. Yeah. Well, they, for this movie, they couldn't use the destroyer title because Marvel had it. Also, you're I coming think. off of Conan and the destroyer the year before. Yeah. So there might've been that confusion too. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. Remo. So Remo Williams. Yeah. So that's what it became. That would have, like see, that, that would have made, made a better title. And then later on, you get the Clayton Roner movie, Destroyer. Mm-hmm. Ooh, what if Remo was really entertaining movie originally? That's the new title? <laughs> yeah, like it was originally entertaining, but we fucked mm-hmm. it up. Okay. Put some boring shit in there. Don't worry, there's a TV show coming, and there's no way we're going to let any president preempt it. Oh, fuck. (laughs) I don't know, guys. Last I heard, uh, Shane Black, who is a huge fan of the Destroyer series, has some... And his friends. ...hand in this now and might be trying to bring it back, but that's been like five years ago, last I heard. I I don't think it's going to happen. Do we want that, though? I mean... No, I don't think anybody... The world is not crying out for another Remo Williams movie. But if you made, like, a very faithful adaptation... Not saying that Shane Black has that in mind. I don't know I what don't he's doing, he does, but, but I don't know. Uh, don't know. Hmm. I'll just have to wait and see. I'd rather him just make another movie, kind of like Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. I yes, thank you. That is a masterpiece. Well, if either of those things happen, we're going to talk about it right here on the Smooth Thrills Radio Hour. With that, we'll bring this episode to a close. Thank you all for listening. Catch you next time. That's it. The show is over. Thank you for listening. The Smooth Thrills Radio Hour is a production of Ghostcraft and is recorded live in Dallas, Texas. Please email your questions and comments to autopilot at smooththrillsradiohour.com. Enjoy the rest of your day. How do they have them by the balls? It's below frame. You can't see it.